I don't know, it's supposed to draw somewhere over 73,000 in attendance and estimated over 100 million viewers watching from their living rooms or family rooms. Um, Personally, I am in it for the low-calorie snacks. (laughs) I'm in it for the two brothers who, for the first time in Super Bowl history, will be playing on opposing teams, and only one will bring home the ring. I'm in it for the fact that the first time in Super Bowl history, both teams will be led by black quarterbacks. And I'm in it for the commercials. I love, and John Travolta's in one. There's also a Christian group that is putting on two commercials. And the message, I don't know a lot about it, but here's the message. Jesus gets us. Here's the message that they're wanting to convey in these commercials to over the estimated 100 million people watching. Jesus gets us. See, that is the message of the word of God that Jesus gets us, all of us, whether we are playing on a Super Bowl team or watching it from home or a thief being crucified on a cross. The message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that he gets us and ultimately he is the only one that can. He is the only one that can satisfy the deepest longing. The God-shaped vacuum that we all have. This is truly the message as we continue this series on the hospitality of Jesus that he gets us. And today that he calls us to share with others that he gets them. He invites us into a healing relationship and calls us to share that with others. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's holy word. And I want to remind you that as we read God's word, everything that is in his word, the 66 books of the Bible, is in for a very specific reason. And so this account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ is in here for a very particular reason. Hear God's word, Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, starting with verse 32. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, Golgotha, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Look how he gets them. For they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and and the rulers even sneered at him, and, and Jesus got them all. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. 
The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. And just, you know, in the Matthew's account, we see that both of these thieves being crucified hurled insults. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for what we are getting, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And in this moment, we see that this thief condemned to die a horrific death justly for his sins realizes that Jesus gets him and he cries out. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the living God who gets us. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. God, wherever we are in our relationship with you, we pray, God, that you would help your word sink deeply into our hearts that we might know that you get us. And God, that we would see your great love for everyone and be part of this invitation to invite others to know you, to know the reality that you get them to. Blessed be your holy name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. So as we look at this incredible passage, we look at the excruciatingly, exorbitantly high cost of Jesus's sacrificial hospitality. You know, crucifixion has been described as the, one of the most heinous forms of torture and death created by humanity to punish humanity. Our English word excruciating, and if any of you have ever had excruciating pain, you just, ah. excruciating comes from the word crucifixion. It is horrendously painful and was designed so that onlookers would be so frightened and horrified by what they saw that it would deter them from committing crimes. So on that day, on Golgotha, there were three men put to death. Three men were crucified on Golgotha that day. Two were thieves. The word means robber, insurrectionist, revolutionary, criminal, evildoer, somebody who has performed gross misdeeds. Regardless of exactly how it is defined, these men were bad and by the law in that day deserved that punishment. And then the third was Jesus, God himself in the flesh. 
And one wonders, why didn't he use his power over legions of angels to put an end to the insults, the betrayal, the pain, the suffering? Why was Jesus there? Isaiah 53, 12 foretells that Jesus would be crucified with sinners. There was no other way, there is no other way for Jesus to forgive us, to forgive broken, sinful, lost humanity. No way to bring us into relationship with him than through the bridge of his blood poured out on Calvary. Amen? There, amen? There is no other way. Jesus did not come off of that cross because he got the thieves on the cross. He understood the empty, shame-filled pain of those who hurled insults at him from beneath the cross. And because he understands the shame and the brokenness. Why didn't Jesus come off the cross when he knew what suffering? I mean, we know in the Garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to God the Father. He said, if there is any way, I mean, he's sweating blood. If there is any way this cup can pass, any way this suffering, and Jesus had the power, quite frankly, to stop it. But there was no other way. There is no other way to come into relationship with the living God than through the blood of Jesus Christ. There, there is no other, no other way but through the cross. In August 20, 2003, at uh, New York City's Church of the Holy Cross, Thieves unbolted a four-foot-long, 200-pound plastered Jesus from the cross hanging. I mean, the, a wooden cross. They, they took the body of Jesus off, a plastic body, and they left the cross. And the caretaker at the church was just kind of dumbfounded. Why would they steal the body and not the cross? Well, that's exactly what was hurled at Jesus when he's on the cross. Well, why don't you just come down? Save us and yourself if you really are the Messiah. Because Jesus knew that without a cross, there would be no salvation. There would be no forgiveness of sins. There would ultimately be no hope. Without the cross, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, a holy and a righteous God in our place. Oh, he would still get us, but we would never get him. There's no other way into relationship with Jesus Christ. No good works, no Sunday school teaching, no other way but through the blood of Jesus Christ. Romans 3.10, no one is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through 
Christ Jesus, our Lord, through the cross, the blood, the death, the suffering, and ultimately the resurrection. And you think, can't I just be a really good person? Go to church, teach Sunday school, serve the poor, save the planet, give to the poor. Yeah, yes, all those are really good things. Really, really good things. But we are saved by the grace, not by works that anyone should boast. We're saved for good works. We, we are to serve him. We are to live radically changed lives after we come into this relationship, but we are not saved by it. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punish that meant that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him our sin. He was oppressed and afflicted. He took our sin upon himself. There was no other way to experience the excruciatingly, exorbitantly high cost of Jesus' sacrifice then he paid it himself. And so we look at this incredible act of sacrificial hospitality. And we look at the audaciously loving, tender, amazingly gracious mercy of Jesus' sacrificial hospitality. I practiced all this on my husband and I had so many more because you cannot really describe this with words. These words are so weak. <laughs> compared to what he did. See, audacious is risky. Audacious love to pray for those who are hurling insults and pounding the nails into your hands. Yet something incredible happened. A miracle happened. One of the thieves got it. And his hardened heart went from hurling insults to acknowledging his own need for God. When he says to the other thief, we're guilty, we're getting what we deserve. But he's not, he's innocent. And then that miracle, when he turns to Jesus and he and he really, by faith, enters into a relationship. That, that cry of mercy, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Don't remember my shame. Don't remember the dark deeds and the ugliness. But see me through the blood, the righteous robes that you purchased on Calvary. And Jesus, paying for that sin, gives the thief assurance, the assurance that only the cross of Jesus Christ could purchase. He says, truly, I tell you, today, 
you will be with me in paradise. He, he gives them that assurance that you are saved. He doesn't say, get off the cross, <laughs> you know, and, and go do a whole bunch of good things. And then maybe, maybe, maybe it'll work out. He forgives them. And he says, today, you will see me in paradise. Heaven, glory, a place we cannot fully understand. And it's entered only through the blood of Jesus. I don't know if you've heard this before. But there's a story of Billy Graham, the great evangelist. He goes to some small town, USA, and uh, you know he's going to preach a, a big "Come to Jesus" sermon. And uh, he's away from his wife, so he writes a letter. You know, in the old days, before texting and you know email and stuff, he actually writes a letter, puts a stamp on it to his wife. But he doesn't know where the post office in this little town is. So he sees this little boy, and he says, um, "Excuse me, but do you know the way to the post office?" The little boy goes, "Oh, sure, sure. It's you know, turn right here, turn left." there it is. And Billy Graham says, hey, thanks so much. And they part. And then Billy Graham says, oh, wait, wait just a minute. I, I, I'm doing a, um, I'm going to preach at a church uh, tonight, and I'm going to be telling people how to get to heaven. And I just want to invite you to come on and, and, and hear. And the little boy looks at him skeptically, skeptically, you know, he looked at him with doubt. And he said, mister, you don't know the way to the post office. How would I, I, I believe that you know the way to heaven? It is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Just the faith that believes that there is a God. And that faith isn't, isn't right doctrine. <laughs> you know, it's not good deeds. It's just realizing I am a sinner desperately in need of the tender mercy and grace of the King of Kings, the Messiah, the Chosen One. See, we need mercy that only God can give us. Mercy withholds a punishment we deserve. That's what mercy is. And mercy was purchased on the cross. And grace gives us a blessing we don't deserve. Forgiveness. You know, we don't know why the thief turned from his sin that day. But somehow, in God's mercy, his heart was softened, and he came in to saving faith. It was a deathbed conversion. They are possible. I've been a hospice chaplain, and I've had the great precious privilege to be with a number of people at the end, the last moments of their life, when through faith they accepted Jesus Christ. So the thing is, is grace and mercy are terribly unfair. I've done more than that person. I'm not worthy to hang on the cross as a thief. No, we're all guilty. Every single one of us. We've, through our pride, attempted to rob God of his glory. And God says, I will not share my glory with another. All of us are guilty. And yet he looks upon us with such grace and mercy. Then I just want to aside about deathbed conversions. You know, certainly we see this example. But we never want to presume upon the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
because we see the example of one thief whose heart was softened and one who had a hard heart at the time of his death. And one never knows. And not only is it this promise of glory with God, but ought to live on this side of eternity in relationship, huh? To live this side of eternity, being in partnership with the God and witnessing and inviting others and glorifying him and praising him and having him walk with us through all the difficulties and hardship because that grace and that mercy is given every single day that we cry out to the living God. And even so often when we don't, he shows up. Never presume upon the grace of God. But Romans 10.9 says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. And then it goes on to say, no one who trusts in the Lord will ever be put to shame. See, Jesus gets us, and he paid the price so that whoever by faith takes hold of the blood will never be put to shame. And so finally, the path of following the steps of Jesus in sacrificial hospitality. Again, we don't know what happened in the heart of that thief that repented. But what we do know is that he heard the prayer of Jesus. You know, he's, he was crucified just feet away from Jesus Christ, and he could see the, the, and hear the hurled insults. He also would have heard Jesus praying for the very people who were hurling those insults to see that tender mercy. Something shifted. And I think when we think about sharing hospitality with others, as we are invited into this relationship with Jesus, and as we then invite others in, that ultimately what people want to see and know is that there's a God who gets them, that there's a God in the midst of our brokenness and the hurling of shameful words and behaviors that he gets us and he loves us. That's what the, the thief saw that day and heard that day, this mercy and this grace. So first, do you absolutely know that God gets you? Do you know that? Do you know that every shame and broken place, all the things we want to hide from others and often ourselves, he gets and he invites. He invites us to receive his grace, his mercy. And don't wait. If you're not sure, if you pray unto this God as the thief on the cross, you will be forgiven. You will be in relationship with this God. And secondly, God invites us to invite others that they too may know that God gets them. You know, whoever comes home with a ring today, 
needs Jesus. Every one of those 73,000 people in that stadium, every single one of the over 100 million estimated viewers, every single person, regardless of money, education, everybody needs to be gotten by Jesus. It is the deepest hunger. It is the deepest hunger of my soul. It is the deepest hunger of everybody we know. Voltaire said at the end of his life, I am abandoned by both God and man. I shall go to hell. And that is such a hopeless place. But God never abandons us really until that last breath. And God calls us to never abandon those that we have the opportunity to share the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ with. I'm going to close by this story, and I'm going to shorten it, but it's very, very powerful. In 1971, Gavin Bryars, who's one of England's leading musicians and composers, was asked by a friend to help him with a project. His friend had recorded people living in the street around London's Waterloo Station, people without a home, people living in tents. The recordings um, caught their daily lives, their trials, their pain, their triumphs. And as the famed composer filtered out the various noises on the recording, there was this faint hum underneath it all that just kept repeating itself and repeating itself. And so he used whatever top-notch technology they had back then, and, and he put it on loop, and he kept trying to filter out all the other noises. And he, he went out to get coffee. He left it playing, and he came back. And everybody that had been working and all the students that were there were just stopped and listening. And several were weeping. And this is what that faint hum was when everything else was filtered out. One of the men on the street mumbled the words of a Sunday school hymn. But the interesting thing is it was perfect pitch, and he just repeated it over and over and over. This is what he sang. Never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Jesus' blood never failed me yet. There's one thing I know. Jesus loves me so. And his blood has never failed me yet. And that's really the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that last breath, we have that opportunity to come into relationship through the blood of Jesus Christ. And when we do, we have that assurance of his presence with us right now and our presence with him throughout eternity. And it's really not just about getting into heaven. It's about being in relationship with a God who knows everything about thieves 
and loves them anyway. About a God who knows everything about you and me and everybody I will see and associate today with today and that you will. And he loves us. He went to the cross for us. And I want to encourage us first to just in humble confession come before God and ask him to cleanse us. That if there's any place that we just aren't walking with him, that he will just draw us deeper and deeper, cleansing us, covering us, anointing us, filling us. And that God would help us see those around us and take the opportunity to share and to show the mercy of Jesus Christ, to communicate to people that there is a God who gets them, that there is a God who went to the cross to save them. There is a God who rose again from the dead that we too might know glory and hope. Would you bow in a word of prayer with me, please? God, we thank you that your blood has never failed us. And Lord, we are just overwhelmed by your sacrificial gift on the cross. And Lord, I want to pray if there's anybody hearing this that just thinks they're too far gone, that they've messed up too much. Mm-mm, never. God, if there's anybody here whose heart is just hardened, we just pray in your mercy and grace that you would soften. And Lord, that you would help us um, see people as you see us as broken and in need, hungry with a hunger that can only be satisfied by you. And that, God, we would not ignore this but that we would live fully, sold out, passionate lives for you, that love you enough and love others enough to share in both word and deed your forgiveness and grace. Blessed be your holy name. Amen.